One fascinating thing about how our memories work is that they are not like a video recording that we can play back at any time. Memories are malleable and can be changed each time we recall them. Memory retrieval and formation is a dynamic and complex process. This means that our memories can be influenced by factors such as our current mood, experiences and beliefs and can change over time. In this episode, we explore one such cognitive bias that explains why we do not remember experiences accurately and how we judge those experiences. Hi Madhvi, welcome back to another series of Rarely Rational. How was your weekend? Thank you Jyoti. Weekend was good. I was at a party where we played Chinese whispers and I was wondering how the message gets transformed so much. It was hilarious. But do you think some effect is at play here. There was no connection between what started out and what we finally ended up getting. I guess this is not limited to the Chinese. I guess we can say we are also pretty bad listeners. Psychologists say that we have two types of selves, you know. One is the experiencing self and the other is the narrating self. Uh, That is, the experiencing self is the one uh, who is aware of every moment and is present. So in this mode of thinking, he is usually quick and intuitive, not necessarily remembering each moment as it happens. The narrating self is the one who integrates and reviews the experience or memories who kind of jogs back into what happened in an event or an incident and creates a story out of it. And there is some kind of editing and interpreting of that narrative. And somewhere in this process, it can result in a change of story. And this is what made me think that we are in a way playing Chinese whispers with ourselves, right? Like whatever the experiencing self has actually witnessed is probably not the same as what the narrating self is telling it out as a story, right? And why do you think this happens? I think what you just said was great. I had never really thought about it in that perspective. But yes, your memories of the event are very different from exactly maybe even the sequence that the event unfolded in. I don't know why that happens. Do you know? Yeah, I came across something called the peak end rule, right? And the peak end rule says that we don't remember our experiences accurately in its entirety or the way we judge our entire experience of an event that has happened is not limited to an average of each moment that has passed by in its whole duration. We always judge an experience based on what we felt at our worst or best moments in that experience. Say what we felt at the peak in the experience and how it ended most importantly and that's why the peak end rule very interesting so is this why my memories of maybe different travels are completely influenced by the highlights that things like google photos or something throws up somehow that reinforces those aspects of the entire uh, trip and i have to think a lot more to remember everything else that happened so obviously you're not going to take pictures of the bad parts of it and you 
will never remember that because the highlighted parts are all the good parts. Exactly. In fact, our minds create highlights of these memories. Maybe modern social media has found this idea because of how our minds work. Quite possible. So Jyoti, at this moment, my LinkedIn feed is entirely filled with people who have been let go from multiple companies. I think it's a very sad thing. The companies might think this makes sense from the business perspective, but the LinkedIn posts or anywhere else that they post, they only talk about the good parts, which is very weird. Maybe just for LinkedIn, they're filtering their emotions and showing just the good ones. But I wonder what they're feeling inside. And maybe five years down the line, what are they going to think about their experience at this company where they were let go right now? Are they going to remember the good things? Are they going to remember the bad things? Is the fact that they were let go at the end of it, is that going to be the most, uh, the peak of their experience? I don't know. What do you think? Probably that's the end of the experience, which is probably leaving a bitter memory for them. I hope <laughs> they've had better memories, not just these bitter memories. <laughs> so I think, Jyoti, LinkedIn is not the only place where we curate our memories. We do this in all aspects of our life. I think one of the things that I find most fascinating is when my friends talk to me about their childbirth. They talk about the birth of their child and how the baby is born and they're so happy about the whole thing. But we do know that a natural delivery is probably the highest degree of pain any human can experience. How is it that they're able to ignore this and focus entirely on the positives? It's fascinating to me to no end. Like The experience of holding this child and having it smile back at you is greater than any the worst pain on the planet. Another very similar example is when if you are a pet lover, and you have raised little kittens or little puppies, then you know, you can understand this feeling to some extent. In their young days, in their puppyhood days or whatever, when they start teething, they start biting. <laughs> and young puppies like to explore their entire world by putting their mouth at you first. Mm. Bite it. How does this feel? What is this? What is that? They don't really think about it. That's their way of exploring. But the impact on the human beings around them is that you end up with scratch marks and bite marks on your entire legs or your hands. So it's very normal to see a lot of these wounds. And if you've not experienced that as a puppy owner, please know you're in the minority and you're the lucky few. <laughs> I think, you know, parents and, uh, you know, dog parents or human parents have the similar feeling. It's great on the out outset to see, you know, a little one growing up, but also... There is a lot more hard work going into actually raising a little one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm glad this peak and rule actually works in our favor most of the time. Yeah, you can pick out the best moments and, you know, ignore the ones which are not so great. <laughs> Absolutely. This reminds me of, you know, how we even watch movies. I remember watching this movie called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and I might not know much of Hollywood's history or American history and I felt the initial uh, parts of the movie was like, okay, it's going on with its own pace and I wasn't too thrilled with it. But the ending of that movie was so phenomenal that I actually remember that movie because of the ending. I think that's another great example of peak and roll. I was so thrilled with the ending that I still remember what happened in the movie only because of the ending or I kind of also liked the movie because of how it ended. 
I think we experience this peak end rule in very different ways in other areas of our life as well. For instance, in India, everybody is praising the UPI system. Hasn't it revolutionized the way we transact in our daily life? You don't need to worry about your wallet and having the exact change at every. Paying somebody, even your vegetable vendor or the coconut seller, it's so easy. It just happens quickly. But are you pausing to think how this ease of transacting and paying, how is it affecting your budget? But talking about fintech and how it's revolutionized transacting and doing business in India, I do have a negative point to share about one of the leading payment gateways. Mm. So I have been using this payment gateway as a customer for many years now. And I've always said good things about it because it worked really well. So they got that aspect of it right, where the customer who's transacting on their platform is having the best experience. But then one day I tried to become the merchant on this payment gateway system. And then I discovered a completely different aspect. Now I realized how their merchant onboarding process is not ideal. It's totally unintuitive and their customer support system there is completely broken so now because this is my most recent memory of interacting with this provider I think I have a completely different attitude towards them peak and rule at play <laughs> so has that changed your view about UPI though UPI not again peak and rule maybe you have yeah. far more you know better memories there yeah so you're right Jyoti my experience with UPI the peaks there have been not necessarily my most recent experience but how I've had joy of just walking up anywhere and doing business like while I'm on my morning walk carrying minimal stuff mm. so different instances where the peak is either in the middle or at the end it's interesting isn't it Jyoti the way you, you tend to focus on certain aspects of the experience versus the entire experience which is what this entire peak and rule is about I think one place where I remember seeing this was with the ice bucket challenge remember that from a few years ago yeah so the ice bucket challenge what most people tend to remember is somebody pouring cold icy water over their heads and they remember that person's reaction they remember laughing at them and being challenged to try this on themselves and maybe even doing it or passing and having these conversations about why I will or why I won't do it but not as many people remember what actually brought this campaign into existence hmm. and that was to promote awareness of this neurological disease called ALS the entire ice bucket challenge was envisioned as a way to bring awareness to this disease to raise funds to do more research and try to help patients of this uh, progressive neurological disorder how much of that persisted so the experience was designed in such a way that the peak completely took away from the raw message i think in that sense this campaign kind of failed although it did raise a lot of money but it didn't reach its full potential i think we can keep talking about a lot of such examples of peak and rule right because basically it's about our memories and what we make of it and how we remember our experiences how do you think peak and rule is used in the aspect of marketing oh i remember the recent shark tank episode that i watched mm -hmm. where uh, the founders of this cosmetic brand called recode came they were on the show talking to the sharks pitching and asking for funding and the sharks asked them what was your marketing or customer acquisition strategy they had a brilliant answer to that they said uh, they conduct events in five-star restaurants and <laughs> invited people to come there to learn how to apply makeup or you know and of course they had a bunch of people whom they had trained who would use naturally the products that they bought so through this they were trying to influence people 
to start buying more products of their uh, brand. So the sharks ask them like how does this work like it's probably happening in the tens or hundreds and they say oh no the moment we announce it it's in a five star restaurant thousands of people show up they show up for the free lunch they go out with this knowledge of how to apply makeup and most likely they're going to start using the same product even the sharks were appreciative of this customer acquisition strategy a great example of indian jugaad yeah i love shark tank because a lot of people actually acknowledge on national television that jugaad works for them even in business it's not the best way but it's definitely an element of their business so you know the apps that we use on a daily basis also perhaps try to use peek and rule by giving us these humorous ways or uh, quirky ways to uh, log out of the app or uh, you know end the customer journey so for example giving out these funny error messages which would not really impact you know the user's experience of failing to go through with the entire journey see this user experience is not limited to just apps or even you know our fun experience mm. the way you design the user experience will also determine how likely a person is to come back to a doctor and continue with the treatment and continue with follow up consultations and tests to mm. improve their health if the doctor is like very curt or Uh, very overbearing and like accusing them or somehow leaves a negative impression on a patient that patient is most likely not going back to that doctor even though they understand the severity of their condition but if the doctor is jovial speaks to them nicely you know they remember that this doctor is a nice person who's on my side trying to help me with this treatment which is not exactly the best experience on the world but i need to put up with it because i have them also on my side So you can really influence patient behavior as well. So hospitals do try to bring this in in the way they handle any new patient or even patients who are anybody who visits the hospital basically. And this reminds me of how experiences like apps or even uh, you know in terms of healthcare or any other services usually nowadays are uh, requesting for ratings. You know ratings at the end of the service. So I think these ratings not necessarily will do justice to how the entire experience of the product or the service was right I think the reviewer has given his experience based on the peak and roll at play for that person say for example customer care service i think the classic example is if something happens to you when you call a customer care and you have like almost a 10 minute waiting with you know their usual uh, music playing there but at the end of it when you actually are able to get through and talk to a customer support executive and if he gives you great resolution for your problem you most definitely will forget that you had a 10 minute wait and you end up giving you know a five star rating these ratings have to be taken with a pinch of salt by designers or researchers absolutely and making sure your product is easy to use is primary for any product manager or user experience designer all of these points come into the picture i recently spoke to an instructional designer along with my colleague on a different episode of the edge podcast and what she revealed was nps scores are not indicative of the impact of their training program now nps scores stands for net promoter score it's the equivalent of your rating system and they ask all the people who go through their training to rate their training and that is what the nps score is so you can get a very high nps score say a 9.6 or 9.9 or 10 or whatever or even a 10 on 
but does that show the whole picture? For a training, when you rate the training, you also want to see what is the impact of that training. She said when they go back and check a few months later, the impact was not encouraging or not good enough, not what they expected. This, I think you always need to take this with a pinch of salt. Is it just for now? Is it more long term? So I guess one way for you to get really high NPS scores is to make sure your learners leave the program on a high. Let them have some easy wins, whether it be through gamification, whether it be through any other fun activity you do they will remember the fun element of it more and will rate your program higher. But if you want the impact, that's a completely different ballgame. <laughs> You know, I came across something called uh, spin doctors, describing people who are skilled at doing public relations, say for celebrities or political parties. Nowadays, I think even political parties have started using a lot of uh, PR management, right, to manage their reputation because of how people tend to remember uh, certain experiences, right? Everybody wants the citizens or the gen average janta to remember the good of any uh, reputable company or a brand or a person as a brand. PR folks who are spinning their reputation to always be at the best possible uh, avatar. I think this is again uh, them trying to man manipulate our weekend rule which people exhibit. So we tend to remember the good they've done in the recent times versus all the negativity associated with them in the past. Exactly. <laughs> nice. So Jyoti, you just spoke about spin doctors. Let's talk about actual doctors and let's get back to our experience as a patient and how this can be taken and made to seem a little less daunting for each one of us. I think the way hospitals set up or train their staff to welcome patients, the way they serve them. So patient handling is a lot more than just go see the doctor and out, right? The patient experience starts from the moment they get out of their vehicle and come into your hospital. Maybe they came in an ambulance or maybe they came in their own car and now they may need assistance for you to take them from that entrance to the doctor's chamber or to the place where they're going to get tested. How do you handle all of this smoothly? If you can put this together as a smooth experience, it's easier on the patients. Maybe the patient has a disability, even if they don't have a disability, maybe they're most likely very worried. You don't go up very happily to any doctor or to get yourself tested. There is a little bit of anxiety in your mind. So what about when they are asked to um, do something like take the clothes off for a full body examination or for uh, you know some other test or something like that. It's not something you do normally and the experience of having to do this at command is something that is very jarring to a lot of different people. Can you make this a little smoother for them so that they don't feel threatened or they don't feel so vulnerable? You have to make them go through those steps because it's unavoidable but the way they perceive that experience can you tailor it? I think these are all different things that yeah, a lot of different hospitals are paying attention to. I have personally had experience with the Manipal change and with even the government supported Jayadeva Institute and I love what they're doing. I'm not going to say it's the best but they're slowly getting there through small improvements here and there. And listeners, we're going to have an entire episode dedicated to user experience in healthcare in one of the upcoming weeks, so stay tuned to that. But I think this personal direct experience is the most impactful. Apps are nice to have, but in your most vulnerable position, 
being treated with kindness and being treated with someone who actually cares about you matters a lot more helps you bring down your anxiety levels as well yeah i think that is a good example of how uh, just the first impression is not enough yeah peak and effect works in multiple ways so i think the only way to make sure that you hit each one of those points is to make sure your entire experience is good because you don't know what your customer or client is going to leave with what are they going to remember at that point subscribe to the edge podcast on your favorite podcast channel we are on google itunes spotify stitcher and more if you like this episode please share it with your friends if you have stories to share and want to be featured on our podcast write to us at podcasts@adepticlabs.com at